We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 43. We are lucky enough to have not one, but two lovely guests today who represent a clothing line that is so unbelievably impressive. Alexa Fairchild is a lifestyle project with a strong streetwear vibe channeled through statement pieces that inspire freedom of expression, individuality, and the pursuit of adventure. This family-operated business is amazing, and I cannot wait for you to hear about it. You may have seen a little feature last year with Noelle Floyd, and oh my gosh, it is incredible. So let's hear it from mother-daughter team Aaron and Alexa. Hi, Aaron and Alexa. Hi there. How's it going? Good. Very well. It's nice to meet you over the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where are you guys right now? We're in uh, Brussels, Belgium. Amazing. Yeah, so quite the time difference. So happy you uh, were able to take the time to come on the podcast today. I would love to hear about your story because there's a ton of different layers to Alexa Fairchild. I think that, you know, that first meets the eye. So, So tell me a little bit about how it came to be. Would love to hear kind of your family dynamic. Okay, so well, just so you know, a little bit of background. I'm um, I'm Alexa's mother, and we work together. We launched this brand together in 2017, and um, we basically just to give you a little bit of background. Um, Alexa grew up surrounded by fashion. Um, uh, myself and her father both worked in high-end fashion. Uh, her dad was always on the design side, and I was always on the communications marketing side. And um, so we worked for the likes of George Armani in Milan, Valentino in Rome, and um, Ralph Lauren and Calvin Klein in New York. And uh, so Alexa sort of grew up, you know, going to fashion shows and you know coming to fittings and things like that with us. So she was really really grew up in that world. And not only that, but also her grandfather uh, was a pretty well-known fashion uh, publisher and um, created W Magazine and um, Women's Wear Daily was an old family publication. Um, Hmm. Actually, I didn't figure that out till later in my childhood. (laughs) I didn't really realize the role he played in the fashion industry, actually. Wow. Yeah, he was uh, a very, very interesting character. Unfortunately, he's passed away a couple of years ago now, but um, he was very, very um, opinionated. opinionated, (laughs) And they used to say that he could make or break a designer with his reviews. Um, And he was such a character, a very colorful, colorful character. And um, he's a little bit, you would say, like the Anna Wintour of his day. but uh, anyway, so so Alexa grew up in that, and um, as she'd explained to you, Bethany, um, she really had a very definitive opinion about fashion from a very early age. Yeah, fighting with mommy when I was two years old about my outfits. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say to her, "No, you're two. I'm deciding what you're wearing," and oh, she she would just stand up to me and say, you know, and have a very clear opinion about what she wanted to wear. 
Um, Erin, would you let her like go? I know my mom would let me wear the most ridiculous things to like the bank and the grocery store and stuff. And I'm <laughs> sure people are like, okay, what the heck is happening? Yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. And not only that, we, she had this, we had this wonderful sort of nanny housekeeper when we were living in Rome who was an incredible seamstress and used to make these wild costumes like, for Alexa. Yeah, princess dresses because Carnival was very big in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so she would sew up these princess dresses for us and we'd wear them pretty much every night for when mommy and daddy would come back from work. And yeah, I just wow. like, I love it. Much. Yeah. And, um, and then of course, uh, the, her first, um, attempt at riding, shall we say, was little pony rides in the park in Rome and literally when you were about, I don't know, three or four or yeah. something. And um, I was like, yeah, I was so obsessed with the ponies. And yeah. I was always like, can we go to the ponies? Can we go to the ponies? Yeah. yeah. So and cool. um, I used to ride when I was young. My mother rode. Uh, this is in Belgium because I, I grew up in Belgium. And um, and so when we moved to Belgium from Rome in 2000, um, my first reaction was to immediately sign up Alexa in the pony club that I used to ride in as a child. And uh, and so that was the end of that because of course we got completely sucked into the equestrian world and ended up buying uh, our two daughters uh, some ponies and you know <laughs> the first pony was out of control all <laughs> i was doing was falling off but i think that's probably what made me the rider i am today yeah yeah, 100%. yeah she was like totally crazy that pony and then we bought another pony who wouldn't actually canter on a circle. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little ridiculous. A really beautiful black pony from Germany, a very fancy pony, but he would not canter on a circle. Oh, funny. So it's been an interesting ride with uh, all the different horses we've had. Yeah, we pretty much we pretty much made every mistake in the book. But <laughs> but anyway, and so um, and so that was that. So at that pony club, we um, became acquainted with uh, Alexa's first very serious dressage trainer, Virginie Deltour, who really introduced her to dressage. And so she started dressage, I would say, at the age of ten or eleven. Yeah, or- because basically. Um, my trainer's best friend, who was very young at the time, she was about 18, Fanny Verliefden, who's actually one of the top Belgian Grand Prix riders, used to train me. Mm-hmm. And she had brought me to my first jumping competition ever. And I was so excited, but so stressed. I was up at three in the morning, like, so, like, wow. so excited to go. And like, anyways, it ended up being a total disaster. I did not know where I was going, what I was doing. My trainer was like in the middle of the ring, yelling at me, like, go over this jump, go over that jump. <laughs> So then after that, I did a little um, dressage competition at the stables we were training at. And that's when my more serious dressage trainer, so the elder one, uh, approached my parents and asked if I had a Belgian passport. And they basically pretty much decided I was just going to go into dressage. And that didn't bother me because I won my first dressage competition. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah, this is a sign. (laughs) So cool. Um, Erin, what was your background in riding? Oh, I mean, I was just a, a complete amateur and uh, uh, I just, I don't know, I just, I, I loved it, but I was terrifying horses at the same time. <laughs> so, um, and when I went, my parents at one point decided to send me off to boarding school in England and to a Catholic convent, a little bit as a punishment because I was becoming quite rebellious at that stage. Mm-hmm. And as a consolation prize, 
they got me pony when I went to this boarding school because it was one of those rare boarding schools that had a, a stable attached to it. And um, and so I they got me this pony who was completely out of his mind and uh, threw me off. And, and that pretty much put me off riding for good. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so I was a real amateur, but always was very attracted to it and loved it. And I never competed or anything like that. So so what Alexa did is, is way beyond what I ever did. Well, but actually, we never anticipated doing all of that. It's pretty much my two trainers that kind of threw us into that whole mm-hmm. gist of uh, getting our national selections to go internationally. And so every weekend when I was 11, um, I had my first FEI pony. I was going to national competitions every weekend because we needed two times 64% to be able to go internationally. And every weekend, I think I started at 56%. Every weekend, I'd go up 1%. Wow. And I went to my first international in France in Rutuke, and I actually placed and got into the final, the freestyle. And I think I ended sixth or seventh, if I'm not mistaken. And then our uh, Belgian chip, keep came up to us and asked if I wanted to go to the European Championships. Wow. And we had first said, no, 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 like, Alexa's not ready. She's just 12. And then my trainer's husband was like, actually, why would you say no to the European Championships? You should go. So mommy had to run back to the chef de keep and be like, actually, we do want to go. <laughs> we didn't like, mind. Okay, but do know that I will not vote for your daughter when uh, we do the voting process. And then the night. She said because she didn't think that you were ready either. Yeah. She thought you were a little wow. too green. And then we got the call the night after the voting and they voted to bet on the future. So they had chosen me. Wow. And I went to my first um, European championships in Germany in Freudenberg uh, as a 12 year old. And I think I finished 25th the first day, which I was really happy with. And I didn't make it into the final, but I made it to the, they used to have a consolation test. And I think I finished in like top 15 of the consolation. So I was happy with that. Yeah. So, so basically Alexa ended up going to, after that, I mean, she went to a total of nine consecutive European championships as part of the Belgian team mm-hmm. um, because, you know, she has uh, the dual citizenship okay. and uh, so she rides for Belgium. Amazing. Where have you guys all lived? Just trying to keep it all straight. You, you okay, said, so, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Stephen and I, when we were married, we were living in Milan and we moved to New York when Stephen took the job with uh, Ralph Lauren uh-huh. and um, Alexa was born in New York. Uh, she moved to Rome when she was about two and then, uh, we lived in Rome for four years. So when she was about six is when we moved to Brussels in 2000. So we've been in, in Belgium now, uh, for 20 years. Okay. Amazing. And was that, was a big part of the move to Belgium equestrian related or what was the main kind of, no, at that, no, it really had nothing to do with equestrian at that point. Uh, it was just, uh, we wanted to put some roots down and we're, yeah. we were a little tired of, of living in Italy and we wanted to buy a house and all of that yeah. kind of thing. I had grown up here. So we decided we were sort of looking at New York, London, Brussels, and we ended up choosing Brussels for some strange reason. <laughs> we did. And here we are. <laughs> one of the main reasons why we are still here is because of horses. Yeah, that's kept yeah. us here. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Amazing. I briefly did go train with uh, Anki van Grutsven, who has, I think, eight Olympic gold medals in Holland. And um, I did that for about two years, I think. 
But it was, I would drive back and forth from uh, Brussels. Wow. And that's a bit heavy duty. And so yeah. you move horses back to Belgium. But an hour away still. Yeah, it's still an hour's drive for yeah. her to go horses. But what, about two years ago now, I guess. Yeah. About two years ago, she moved the horses back here. Okay. Wow. Amazing. I want to take a minute to talk to you about one of my favorite equestrian marketing agencies, and that is Meraki Creative Group. Meraki Creative Group is a global growth acceleration agency working with brands in the equestrian and the outdoor lifestyle space. So whether you are an athlete, a brand, or provide a service or a product, Meraki Creative Group is totally for you if you're looking to expand upon branding, digital marketing, graphic design, web design, photography, growth and strategy. PR, media, marketing expansion, brand representation, you name it, Meraki Creative Group is totally for you. So you can learn more at merakicreative.ca, that is M-E-R-A-K-I creative.ca, or you can reach out to Britt over Instagram, and her Instagram is M-C-G, as in Meraki Creative Group, dot B-R-I-T, Britt. So that's M-C-G dot Britt. All right, let's get back to the episode. Let's transition a little bit, and, and I want to get back to um, Alexa. You're riding um, currently, but would love to kind of see uh, the transition or, or kind of the idea from what you guys were doing as a family and Alexa, you riding, and how that turned into Alexa Fairchild, the the label. We discussed for about two years starting something up. We didn't really know exactly what, and it was actually leaning more towards um, the equestrian apparel, like full-on equestrian Mm -hmm. apparel. I've gone to Spoga in Germany, which is... um, Equestrian fair. Yeah, equestrian fair. Uh, My dad, he did have a line before called Stephen Fairchilds, which is now... uh, Well, it's closed. It's closed. Mm -hmm. And so we were kind of discussing, 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 and then we were like, okay, let's launch a brand. The equestrian... inspirations are Mm -hmm. quite vague but they're within the collection so for example all the hand stitching and our patches on the knitwear that's all equestrian inspired from like saddle stitching so it's Mm -hmm. little details like that or like our leggings are inspired by the riding pant um Mm -hmm. our running reaches um it's more that kind of stuff that's inspired from the equestrian it's not like fully yeah, there, it's su- it's subtle references, put it that way. Totally. I mean, it's true yeah. that when we started, we were going to do a purely equestrian line. And the more we brainstormed, we really brainstormed uh, the four of us together with our other daughter, uh, Tasha, who has a completely different vibe from Alexa, mm-hmm. who's not an equestrian anymore. <laughs> but so it was very interesting, you know, this this brainstorming, brainstorming. And finally, we, we decided, Alexa decided, you know, I don't really want to do a purely equestrian. I'm, I want to do a line that's a much more of a lifestyle line, but which yeah. you can also wear certain items while you ride or around the barn or, you know, from barn to the city and, um, and, and with some subtle references, but not purely just that. So, so, so that's when the brand concept was born. And, uh, and we, and we took it from there. So it was yeah. a very exciting process. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And you guys also have a lot of other, um, kind of like lifestyle outdoor interests. I know some of you surf and, uh, ski and, and are still riding and stuff. So I feel like I kind of taking all of those passions into 
into the line um, made a lot of sense. And, and you kind of see that with the yeah. pieces. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to, just to go back to the activity quickly, I mean, what we, we talked a lot about this concept of this freedom tribe. And that's why when you look at a lot of our imagery and our content, it's, it's, it references a lot of those sports that, that give you this exhilarating feeling of totally. freedom and, and we very much uh, wanted to portray that, but also we wanted freedom in the sense that we wanted people to, to feel free and expressing themselves and being who they are and being authentic. I mean, those are all very important uh, pillars uh, in our brand. Mm -hmm. um, but, but what Alexa is referencing now is um, we, you know, two years in, we've sort of reevaluated everything and looked at everything and, and uh, and decided basically that what we're going to really push forward are these three main pillars. Alexa, if you want to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't know if you know this, but all our knitwear, uh, including so like sweaters, uh, the beanies, and the scarves, and the little like gloves, um, they're all made from a 100% recycled cashmere. Wow. And we actually recently went down to the factory to go see how it works. And it's really interesting because they basically buy sweaters from the Red Cross or companies like that, especially just from the States, because the only 100% cashmere is from America. They mm. then cut the sweaters up into little strands, remove all the buttons or the stitchings or the pipings. They put it through this machine that makes the cashmere look like it's uh, it's literally come off the animal. So wow. it's been completely decomposed and the, the machine doesn't use any water except for a tiny bit in the summer when it's a bit humid outside or dry. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then they remix it with a bit of um, pure pure cashmere. So but it's 65% uh, recycled minimum to oh, be wow. recycled cashmere. But so there's some that are 100% and there's some that are a lower percentage of recycled cashmere. Um, cool. And that the whole sustainable feature really appealed to us. So that's a very important uh, feature for us. So yeah. that's one of the main pillars is the uh, recycled cashmere. So that can be sweaters to sweatpants. Um, mm -hmm. It could be multiple different garments. Beanies, gloves, yeah. scrubs, you know, all totally. of that. Then our Palazzo pants is going to be another pillar because it's a pant that fits so many different body shapes and it's a great pant and it's so comfortable. It's like a wide-legged pant, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that we're going to play around with uh, different like stitchings, different colors, um, with belts. We'll, we'll change them around. And then the third pillar would be silk, which uh, so that can go from uh, tops to shirts to a camisole dress, camisole top. Um, yeah. So those are the three main pillars. And then around that, uh, and then around that, what we're very interested in creating, and this is a little bit of a departure from what we've done before, is um, doing really a curated collection. So there would be our Made in Italy pieces together with a treasure trove of um, items that we've sourced around the world. Looking at doing collaborations with uh, some brands that we've identified as you know being super cool 
uh, items, whether it's a handbag, an accessory, a cosmetic, even a pillow, like something for the home. I mean, whatever sort of fits into this, our world of the Freedom Tribe and goes with our collection because we're very much about mixing and matching and, and very anti-globalization where I think people today want to wear very unique pieces. They don't want to have what everybody else has. Right. And uh, like we found these incredible bags that are made in Jordan and uh, that are all hand and we're very into artisanal detail as well as sustainable. And for example, the handbag company hires um, women that are out of jobs in Jordan. And even if they don't have any orders come through, they still continue to produce bags so that the women still have, can make a living. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. That's really interesting. And we try and so most of our fabrics also we're trying to go as sustainable as possible. We're looking at different options for like the Palazzo pant. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the direction we're going and just, yeah. Yeah, that direction is so inspiring and amazing. I mean, how I'm sure you were able to kind of because of your family history and fashion, we're able to kind of see the back end of how um, things were created and made. Why is the sustainability such a driving force for Alexa Fairchild? Well, I think I think one has to be uh, as sustainable as possible today. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is, um, you know, possible to to not think that way today. Um, right. And I think what really, I mean, we were already doing recycled cashmere, but we happened to attend the sustainability. Um, what was it called? The sustainability forum or yeah, fashion summit. Yeah, the Fashion Summit in uh, Copenhagen in, I think, last spring. Um, And it's all about sustainability. And they had the most incredible speakers and incredible companies who are are just forging ahead in this area. And it was incredibly inspiring to us both. And it it just was so clear. I mean, that's the only way to to go forward today is try and make a product that's not going to hurt the planet. I mean, it's sort of a no-brainer, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not always easy to be sustainable 100% across the brand, but we're trying to be as sustainable as we possibly can. Um, for instance, you know, our packaging, we have these uh, tie, these bags that are made out of Tyvek, which is a reusable, recyclable um, fabric. It's sort of a silvery fabric and it can mm-hmm. retain the cold, the, the heat. It's very durable. It's incredibly strong. And it's a bag so that you can then reuse it as your gym bag, your school bag, your awesome. bag, because it'll keep like your ice cold or something, uh, a hot meal warm. Yeah. And uh, so we that was already also something that we did initially. Uh, so we were definitely heading in that direction. But I think it it really put it into focus for us when we went to this uh, fashion summit in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. And I know from um, like an equestrian standpoint, the ethical fashion is so important too, just from being, you know, having that love and passion for horses and other animals and the facts that things are made in an ethical way, I think resonate right. with a lot of um, other equestrians as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. So tell me a little bit. I I think the first time that I I had seen um, pieces before of yours, but I think the first time that I was really um, introduced to Alexa Fairchild was through the uh, Noelle Floyd collaboration. So I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts um, and kind of how that came to be. Um, Actually, it's funny because when I was training in Holland, 
my Instagram account for the brand used to be my uh, dressage Instagram account. Cool. And I had posted a video of my horse drinking water from the shower hose. And <laughs> Floyd had reposted uh, that video on her Instagram. And then we got talking. Cool. I think she had written an article, but it was mainly just based on um, my equestrian life. Mm-hmm. And then a few years, I think, down the road, she then contacted us about her marketplace marketplace that she yeah. was watching and that she was interested in doing a collaboration. So that's kind of how it happened. And we actually pretty much designed the jacket over the phone and mm-hmm. through video calls um, since she's in Canada and Whistler and we're all the yeah. way here. But what's funny is she used to live in Brussels. Yeah, that's right. Has um, family members that are in the dressage world here. Yeah, that we happen to know, actually. Yeah. And we found that out. She's she's related to a Belgian dressage rider here that we know. Of course, the Belgian dressage world is tiny. I mean, you wow. have to realize it's a tiny little country. And uh, it's just incredible. It was already, I think it was when we were at, Joshua Tree that she mentioned that she was related to her. Well, yeah. We can't believe it. We know her uh, very well. What <laughs> a small yeah. world. It's so crazy. And that's the first time we actually met Noel. It was when we went out to uh, Joshua Tree to do the whole shoot, which was an amazing experience. Yeah. Like I always wanted to ride Western and that was just like such a, an amazing place to be able to do it. Yeah. Love it. Alexa, I'd love to kind of touch a little bit on what you're currently doing with riding and what what that looks like as a dressage rider now, kind of balancing that plus your clothing line. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot of work <laughs> doing the two. Um, at the moment, I have uh, two Grand Prix horses and I've had my mare for, I think, almost four years now. Is it? I think so. And I'm totally in love with her. I love her. She's like the sweetest horse. Her name is Romy. She's beautiful. She's very (laughs) elegant, very refined. She's a tiny horse, which I love. And I recently just got, I think about a month ago now, another dressage horse in leasing who was, who's owned by another Belgian woman. And uh, it was a Dutch dressage rider that used to ride the horse um, a few years back. and Somebody from the A-team, actually. Yeah, from yeah. the A-team in Holland. So two weeks after I got that horse, which is, his name is Devenos, I went out to go try and get my selections because I need two times 66% to go internationally. And I got my first 66%, which I was like super happy about because I've just had the horse for two weeks. Yeah. And then I was meant to have another competition and they both got canceled because of the storms we've been having that have been coming over from the UK. Yeah. So that's kind of, um, it was kind of a bummer because I was hoping to go actually this week to uh, CDI Lille, which uh, is an international show in Belgium that my trainer organizes. Oh, shoot. So, yeah. Anyways, I'm still <laughs> going to go, but I'm going to go in training so I can kind of get a gist of how the horse is at an international. And then Saturday night, I'll be riding a 15-minute clinic with Tineke Bartels, uh, famous um, Dutch dressage rider. So, so cool. excited. Yeah. Um, but it is a lot of work doing the two because the horses, since they are an hour away, it takes me a good five to six hours with rush hour traffic on the way back. But um, I try and do as much work as I can when I can. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say that my focus is pretty equal on both sides. Mm-hmm. But if, for example, I have a co- an international competition coming up, I'll be more focused on the horses and vice versa if there's something more important going on with the brand. Totally. Um, but yeah, no, but I'd say it's pretty equal. Yeah, yeah. In the day. What are your goals um, in terms of riding? So um, my goal was to try and get to the 2020 Olympics. And that's one of actually one of the taglines for Alexa Fairchild, the brand is We Connect Dreamers. Mm-hmm. And I got that from the tagline that was on my dressage website, which is every dream begins with a dreamer. And that's what we're trying to, by connecting the dreamers within the brand. Um, we want to connect people that do have big dreams. And even if they don't um, succeed at them, they shouldn't be scared of trying. So that's what I did try to do. It didn't work out. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would still love to try and get to the Olympics one day, but I think I will have to put a lot more dedication and focus into different aspects to actually get there. But that is the beauty of the sport that you still have plenty of time to exactly. get there. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Aren't the next Olympics, I think, are in Paris? Yes. Which is actually oh, very convenient. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amazing. That's so cool. And then what would you say is um, some aspirations you have for your clothing line? I would definitely like to expand it more i'd say in north america and canada because it seems to do, um what's the word people re- people respond yeah, to it very totally. well in totally i have to say north america we've had an incredible response so yeah i think we'd like to grow it over yeah there. i'm really excited to see what we can do with Brittany over there as well mm-hmm. um, so i'm really excited for that otherwise um honestly for the moment we've really been quite focused on brussels and belgium and we haven't quite expanded, so I think we still have a lot of opportunity in like London or Paris or Milan. So we haven't tested those markets yet, which I would eventually love to be able to do. Totally. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I am so excited from the little whispers I've been hearing about a possible launch during week 12 of Wellington. I think that's all we can say, but I am so excited. We're working towards that. Of course, it hasn't been very, it hasn't really been helped by this. I don't know if you've read, but the coronavirus has kind of arrived in Italy, which is not good for our production. (laughs) Actually, Alexa and I are due to go down to Italy to look at some prototypes on Monday. And um, we're we're keeping our fingers crossed that that's still going to happen. And we're going to be able to do that because... Uh, they're canceling all kinds of things. But I think the sort of epicenter of it is more in northern Italy and we're going more south. So hopefully okay. we'll be OK. But uh, yeah, keeping fingers crossed for that week 12 idea. Yeah. Yeah. Really so excited cool. about that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, ladies, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, hop on the podcast today. Admits your your super crazy schedules, um, but I am just so inspired by your stories and how you really took, um, you know, kind of like family passions and turned it into this incredible business that still really aligns with things that you are passionate about. So I really appreciate you taking the time and I wish you both all the best. 
All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.